what's good y'all man happy sunday welcome to another installment of four score presents after hours as always it's your boy alex it's your boy jeff and it's your boy lucas and today man we're gonna talk about a couple things uh very specific in the sports world of combat sports all things ufc MMA fighting guillotines and all. And so we're going to bring this off. Also, I would like to introduce a guest that we brought on um, another friend uh, that you've probably seen on a few of our after hours before, a couple of episodes. And, um, you know, we just, I don't know why we keep hanging out with him because he's so aggressive. But, you know, I, I guess he's. It's because cool. he scares you, Alex. Uh, no, 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 no. He, I just can, I'm concerned about his well being. But, anyways, sure, um, please about your welcome the, mm-hmm. the copyright of the Nigerian nightmare, Chooks and Achebe. Chooks, welcome. Wow. What's Damn. good? What's good? See money in the building. Woo-hoo. See money? The Nigerian nightmare. The, I said I like the copyright of money. the Nigerian nightmare because mm. we know who the true one is. Look Shout out Kamara Usman. Bro, we are, we are not trying to get <laughs> Sorry, didn't Kamara Usman <laughs> get get sued by a British dude? He was right, Jamaican. Bro, relax, relax, relax. That British, that same British dude, yeah, that same one. He was a little boy. He's still a boy. Keep your head on the yeah, swivel, big dog. Right that yeah, that head kick wasn't little though. That head kick I, wasn't I, little. Obviously, Nigerians are not good with head movement, but uh. Oh no, no, no that's the thing. Oh, was he was good with head movement? That's the thing. No, he was. No, you gotta remember, he was good with head movement. He was slipping. He was slipping and ducking the entire fight. Round five, Edwards set him up with the perfect fake. Yes. He knew that he liked to slip far. He like he knew he liked to slip far. He hit him with that round kick to catch him. He caught him with his own momentum. But the thing is, gotta be quicker than that. So the thing is, right? They even showed on Instagram. You go on Leo Edwards' page on Instagram. They actually show a video of them actually gearing up for that. They made sure to practice that specifically because they noticed in all his other fights, Kamar Usman likes to duck real duck real low, and he ducks low and far. way too far out. And so they said, okay, it fine. was perfect placement. And it, it did just enough do, exactly. to do the job. And, that, and that's all he needed. And so he said, all right, do exactly what we practice. He said, all right, coach. He went out there and did exactly that. I cannot be mad at him for it, but of course I am mad that Kamar Usman lost. All I know mm-hmm. is come time in March, that fight is going down again in London, mm-hmm. his hometown. Leon also said, with the, I think in the interview he had with uh, some, I forget who he had an interview with, but he said, I think it was an MMA fight. I think he had an interview with them. He said, I'm going to see the best version of Kamar Usman. And that's the worst that he could ever help hope for. He, he knows that Kamar Usman is best. It's probably going to be his worst fight for him yet because he knows he can't beat him. He knows and we're going to look forward to that because March is going to be around the corner pretty soon. Oh, but yeah. depending on when this airs, uh, um, yeah, so March 18th uh, for UFC 286, we will yeah. see if Kamar Usman is going to get his belt back. Believe- so uh, if y'all want to tune in during that time, y'all please do, you know, get the stream, get the pay-per-view, get whatever you got to do not to, to see mention, that fight. Cause it's going to mention be John doozy. Bones, John Bones Jones making his big return, the heavyweight. Oh my gosh. So yes. 285 for March 4th. Long awaited. John Bones. Oh my God. Is he really going to do it? I, I just want to know, is he actually going if you to ask, be Saragon? Cause Saragon's on a hot street. If you ask me, I think he definitely can. It really depends. There, there. I got like me, like me, me. You look. We talked about this before. It, it really did, depends on how it really comes to what they bring to the table. We know what John Jones has. He has a lot of skill, a lot of a high ass fight IQ. We know he's going to be out here giving a lot in this fight. Um, Cyril Gon. People have not counted him. Counted him out, honestly speaking, because he 
again, he stood, he stood toe-to-toe with the, with the best in the ring. He stood toe-to-toe with Nganu. He's fought pretty much, I think he's fought like pretty much everyone in the division so far, if I'm right. I'm not sure. But I mean, he's had 27 fights. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's seen a lot. He, even if he hasn't fought everybody, he's fought mm-hmm. just about everybody that's like, you know, worth relevant. Like, like he's fought, <laughs> he's fought like the big ones. Not relevant. Yeah. He fought Ty, he fought Tuivasa, he fought Nganu, he fought, he fought all the big boys. Can, he's can throwing we, hands with them all. So, can we all agree that the fight, look, and I'm, there's nothing against Ty Tuivasa, nothing against that man, nothing mm-hmm. at all. But no, can we no, agree? he's, he's excellent. Can we, can we agree that? So real gun shouldn't have had that much trouble with two Taito Ivasa. Like I No, no, he should not have it. I I've I, me personally, I feel like with all the skills that Sir Gun has, with all the fancy stuff that he does in the ring, I feel like he should have been able to. I'm not gonna say clean his clock that easily because it's like none of those fights are easy. I'm just saying he should have been able to do a lot more to put Taito Ivasa away sooner, maybe around like two or three. But for it to go as far as it went, for us to see that he got knocked down to stumble, to fall yeah. for a fake that Satu Vasa was giving him, like playing possum while he was standing up. I feel like dude should have been doing a lot more like looking, engaging. Okay, let me see what's going on with this boy. Like, I know I'm better than him. He's he's just a new kid on the block. He, I would like to a... propose a theory. I would like to propose a theory that, mm-hmm. that may have tied into Cyril Gan's victory ultimately at the end, but, but for why that fight looked like it was prolonged for too long. Um, that fight, uh, that fight night was the first headline in Paris, France. That was the first time France has ever hosted a UFC event in a very long time. And it was mm-hmm. a monumentous big deal. Like if you looked at that fight card, that fight card had majority French people the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've seen 283 last night, it was done in Rio and majority of the fighters were from Brazil. And so every I, single fight I card had that, a Brazilian on it. Exactly. And so I think that <laughs> with that Cyril Gon fight against Taito Ivasa, for him being the headliner, for him, I think it was more than just he could have he could have cleaned his clock and, and and be done with the fight much faster. He could have finished the fight definitely sooner, and that, and that there's nothing against that. And also, Taito Ivasa, he is a tough sob. He he is just he's as tough as nails. So you're gonna have to put that man down. But I think with the anticipation of it being the main event fight in France in front of your country, your home crowd and you haven't had a fight event in France in a very long time, I think he wanted to just milk the moment for everything that it was. Because every single time he had Taito Ivasa wobbling and loose, and the crowd was hyping, the crowd was going wild, he was just he was just eating it up. Like, he, he knew he was winning that fight the entire time. And he was just like, nah, I want to make this entertaining. I want my people to enjoy. This is what France can do. We could throw hands, too. And so I, I think that my, my theory is that he just milked it. Before I weigh in on before I weigh in on this, Jeff, do you do you know uh, Tuivasa by name? You might right now. No. Uh, have you seen a UFC fighter drink beer out of a shoe? No. Yeah. That that's Tuivasa's signature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, Every he's he so he, hilarious. he had like a really low he had like a really like bad uh, streak in the UFC at one point, but then he started having a big comeback, just winning in one fight after the other, and his signature celebration is that he takes like usually like a like a like a nike air shoe and he pours beer in it and then he chugs it and that's like like i'm pretty sure that's actually like a i don't know if that's thing. a real Aussie i think it's thing. A, i think yeah i think it's an actual cultural uh thing because it's not just something he made up but he did that that was his signature and people were both equally disgusted and amazed by it i was very much amazed and disgusted by it <laughs> yeah. i was I like nigga you just um, bought i remember this man like, a beer out of a, somebody else's shoe 
I remember no, the first time sure. he did that. First time he did that, he jumped up on the cage, and I remember the camera's just showing him. It's not showing anything else. All of a sudden, he just puts his hand out, and a shoe gets thrown to him. Yep. And then he gets handed a beer, and I'm like, what is this man about to do? And he went, <laughs> and I was like, huh. I was like, you just drank foot fungus, sir. You just drank well, some I foot mean, fungus. Look, so my thing is, my thing is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to air on this. I feel like he may have gotten a clean shoe and then did it. I hope it's not the same shoe he wore walking in and did that because that would be completely disgusting. I don't think crazy. I want. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Ignorance, know ignorance is bliss. I, I will happily in, be in that, case, in that statement. I might agree with you because if you come look, if he came out and said, I have a I got a, I got an infection, I got an infection. I was, I was like, was it because you was drinking, you know, from your shoe? Yeah, I'm not you much. were drinking fungus and now you got a falling infection, and now you're a clicker on The Last of Us. Yikes. <laughs> like yikes, not clickers, yikes. I do not need to have All that right. in my lifetime. Well, Alex, let me weigh in on that uh theory that you gave. Honestly, I think you're onto something, but I don't think it was something so positive in that light. I think it's more so like I've seen I've seen Cyril Gans fights. I've seen, like, I've heard interviews from him and his coaches. Like I said, I've seen the way he goes. I don't think it was, I don't think he was purposely trying to milk anything. I think I, I either it got to his head a little bit, you know, just like that pressure. And also, I don't know, maybe he wasn't prepared enough because, like, there was a lot of people criticizing the fact that there was so many moments where people, people, expected Cyril Gan to win by a pretty good margin because he was just you know more physically able stronger faster but it seemed like they were pretty much on equal ground to the point where like he rocked to Ivasa had an opportunity to take him out to Ivasa rocked him back and they just kept swinging and missing at each other it was like two drunk dudes trying to fight at the air and that, and that was, was my problem because and that, I saw those highlights and those, that did not look like a highly skilled heavyweight fight like what I saw, like compare, you like, thought it was sloppy. Mm-hmm. Yes, if I was going to compare fights, just in terms of like a uh, level of skill, just skill, skill alone. This is this is disregarding the weight class and whatnot. I would go as far as to say, like that fight on skill level, I'm, I'm, I'm I would rank it out of one skill of one to ten, like maybe a two or a three. Like it wasn't, it wasn't something I would be like. That's a lot of skill that y'all did. It was a, it was like a brawl and well. Let me let me follow up with this question then. So with 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 the fight appearing very sloppy, we we've we've all seen moments where there are some fights where it's like you should have finished this fight. Mm-hmm. This fight shouldn't have gone all the way. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? What 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 is what is what is stopping fighters from saying screw it? I'm gonna finish the fight right now. I see opportunity. What is stopping them from just going all the way and letting their hands free, like Chukes always well, says? Like, it's it's uh it's a combination of different things um every fight is a little bit different and it's sometimes it's there are so many different factors because you know think of it this way um alex a lot of like a lot of these fighters are playing a game of chess but they're playing it with weights on their arms and wrists and they're like getting pulled back like they're, they're having so many different physical obstacles like yeah they whatever the like the results of their conditioning um and their weight cuts you also have the the mental pressures not every fighter is just naturally born to perform um especially depending on where you are you also have the fact that every every move you make could be countered at any moment that's why you'll see a lot of like one two minute standoffs where they're just like fainting at each other 
throwing hands, throwing little little side shots, trying to see how their opponent reacts because they know that, yeah, they could let their hands fly, but many, many, many fights have been decided with one Hail Mary haymaker from a dude who was wobbling. Yep. I mean, think of, think of, sorry, think of yesterday. Yeah. Teixeira lost, but how many times did Jamal put him on the fence and look like, oh, it's over. And then Teixeira, boom, boom, backed him up. Like, it's that last bit of resolve, that last bit of like warrior spirit that's still kicking. You never kicking. know. So like, you know, bro, like you look at know. it. Like if you like, like if you want to even go as far as like say, I think what was it? I'm trying to look for another fight on this card that actually like I saw that was pretty was pretty good. You also want to make sure you don't like waste your gas tank all in one flurry if it's that's not going to pay off. That 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 actually, was noticeable when 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 Jamal Hill was was going at. Glory to Shetta. And it looked like he was like, oh, snap, it, it's over. He has them. And then after a while, Jamal Hill just, he got, he looked like he was winded from trying. And then, so he backed off. And I was like, see, like, you could have finished it, but you didn't have enough gas in the tank to finish the fight. I feel like for that in the kit, and it, when it comes to like certain things like that, the gas tank, right? So a lot of fighters, it, it, that only speaks to your conditioning, your cardio, how well you're able to last. That's why I see like a lot of fighters, like they do a lot of simula- simulation training. Like for instance, I'm gonna reference Israel Adesanya for this one because one of his fight, one of, when he was preparing for his fight for Alex Pereira, he did this a train tactic called Spiders, and I feel like if I'm saying it correctly, if if anyone can correct me, please do. Um, I think he fought different people. Of course, people in his um, training camp, he fought different people every every I think every minute he was fighting someone different. And it got him ready. Like those things prepare you. People do either do that or they'll do like five minute rounds with shadow boxing, or they'll do um five minute rounds going against some one of their teammates just to prepare them for what they could see or what they could see in that um, I'm sorry, what they could see in that um in that fight. So my thing about that is right is for Jamal, Jamal was doing a really good good job trying to pace himself in some of the rounds. He was trying to make sure that he didn't get too, too winded. But like Alex, I agree with you. He did get winded. So those times were like, oh my God, it's going to put him away. Let, I'm like saying, let your hands free, let your hands free. But it's like, do you have that energy to do that when you when you know you're kind of winded? But I'll say this, Jamal was a, he played, he played tactician very well because he set up his jobs the right way. He kept over to share his hands up because Glover couldn't throw his hands. He always had him on guard every time that he was throwing that left jab, left jab, and he would switch up to orthodox or under, or um, southpaw South very, very frequently. So it had Glover mixing up, like, okay, what am I going to see? And then even the announcer caught on to it. Every time, I think it was every time, Glover, um, what was it? Every time that uh, Jamal went into, uh, I think it's Southpaw. He had yeah Southpaw stance. He got he was lining up for that leg kick to the head every time. He line he was lining it up. Throw that jab out there. Throw that jab. Make sure he keeps he feeds that jab so much he doesn't see my leg coming. And he and I don't think Glover saw it coming because he because Glover got hit with it quite a few times and it got past the guard. Even though he blocked it, it was getting past his guard because it wasn't a strong. Yeah, it wasn't a strong enough block. Yeah, them things hurt, bro. It hit him over the head. It got him wobbling. And that's when the, when the announcer said, oh, no. They saw it. It's like, oh, crap. Glover's, Glover might go down and get hit in the head like that again. But Glover, again, kudos to him. Tough. That's a tough SOB right there. That man stood tall, yeah. stood ready. He took those hits and still coming forward. I can't say that he wasn't a tough opponent, but that was a true test to Jamal, for Jamal as champion yeah. now. 
that was one of his biggest tests. And I don't think there's, you can't, no one can say like he doesn't deserve what he's gotten just now. Like that man yeah, fought like yeah. a true champion. You know, I want to, we were talking so much about Teixeira. I want to kind of make a side, I want to make a, a sidebar here, like a little different, um, <laughs> different, just slightly different um, direction here, because also I want to get Jeff to weigh in on this. Cause I know he can definitely weigh on, on, on this topic about martial arts, like respect and class and sportsmanship because there are two two like twice last night actually in the same night i saw one of the best one of the best displays of sportsmanship in class but i also saw in my opinion one of the worst um mm-hmm. i don't know because he um so the the best one obviously was to and he lost like this man break it down for you what he did was exemplary like he from like from the the moment the the um the buzzer like went off to the the decision being made like he was very highly complimentary and praising of uh of his opponent jamal uh he's very supportive and he was saying some very inspirational words to the people of brazil to the fighting community Mm. and he also made a point to he he made sure he took he he put Jamal in his arms and he said he told the people he said I saw you yes. throwing beer and throwing popcorn at the previous champion Brandon Moreno, Moreno when yes. he beat when he won yeah. and he said this man is the champion and he's gonna walk out with me do not disrespect him and that 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 was very like that was great that was wonderful that was a for for somebody to be as humble as he is and then tell the crowd like look this guy beat me like he didn't just there's no cheating here you can clearly see i was getting beat yeah he's the champion now you guys should show him some respect there was no disrespect like it was just and it seemed like people didn't respect the 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 figurero loss as if like you can't control it i'm like yo his so, eye is completely shut. Well, that's so that's, that's, that's not that's so, not it's not because of his eye. It was because it, people thought he hit him in the eye like an eye poke because like right you thought, they he, thought that he cheated. He cheated his way into victory. Like, come on, man. Well, like, they, so, they, they they probably got emotional and thought he cheated. But the real like I think the reality is most of you most of them probably thought that he he hit him with an eye poke. That's what they not not not, not an eye poke. Like I saw that slow mo. I think what happened yeah, was yeah. that his glove with a tape on his glove caught him in the eye and scraped it in just the wrong way because he had a massive cut right here under his like under his eye and it mm-hmm. swelled up because of it. Um, I'll just like the thing is, yeah, I watched the replay and everything. I feel my 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 feeling is that I feel like the crowd itself don't they didn't understand how he got that cut. That's what they were upset about because that's what decided 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 everything. Because mm-hmm. when he came, when Moreno came with that left hand, of course, it wasn't very, it wasn't, it wasn't like a really straight jab. It was a wide one that came and it smacked him into the like the like the lower part of his eye, and it cut him. And I feel like that his thumb or his index finger or what when he, on that left hand is what broke the skin there. And that gave him that cut because when he came in with the right hand, yeah. it was the like moments after. It was a friction. It was hit a friction scrape. Face. People thought that, oh my God, he hit him in the eye and scraped him. That's what caused the cut. Like, no, that's not where it comes. You see from different angles. Like each angle shows a different perspective, but the mm-hmm. one that showed a clear, like the, the top view coming down and then the one from the very left, shows clear indication like yeah after that punch that's the cut that that's the one that makes the cut and then his hand goes into his face 
He looked at the ref trying to see if he can get a uh, if we can get an eye poke, but I'm like, no, I mean, because the, the ref saw it was a clear punch. He sees the hand hit you, but the yeah. hand hit you on the other side of your face, not where the cut is. So it's like you didn't get hit with an eye poke. So yeah, he that's why he, he wasn't going for that. that. Yeah, but as 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 bad as that display on the audience was, I gotta say, what the thing I hit, the thing I disliked the most was when Shogun Hua was fighting. Because mm. it was, you know, he's old, he's old, he's old testament. Like they've been saying his prime was back in 05. Like he's yeah, this was his last that. fight. This is his last fight. His walkout was very special. People clapped for him. But I didn't like was that his opponent, when he beat him, what did this man do? This man went up against one of the legends of the MMA community in his last fight. And no, no, of course, like people think you're in a no-win situation, but you either win or you lose. And he did, he won. But what I would have liked to see, what I would have expected was a show of grace, respect to the champ, respect to the former uh, legend, respect to someone who came before you paved the way for you. Instead, this man did his little dance, did his little dance, jumped up on the cage. And I'm just like, dog, you are in this man's house and you are dancing. You beat an old man. Congratulations. You're dancing for that. Nah, that that was that was pitiful. So that I was feel that he shouldn't have really celebrated in that way because of his age or it, I think it was it was a combination of all these things. It was a combination of the fact that it's, it's not just because he's an old man. No, it's because he is old It's because of what he's done for the community. And the fact that despite how old he is, he's still picking up training and coming out for one last fight in his home, in his home, in his home country. And like. Yeah, people like like I said, people are criticizing him because like, oh, you're in a no when no situation because you're either retiring him or you're losing to a guy that's like so much older than you. But I mean, the truth is, you do what you got to do. That's that's the point of it. But the fact that you're fighting a legend of that stature could be grounds for celebration as well, though. Yeah, a legend yeah. of that stature that's like way past his prime. But the fact be, that you got to yeah, fight him. So would you have been mad if Jamal Hill <laughs> celebrated or danced after beating Glover Teixeira? Um, because that's the same thing. Clover Shed is a legend, but see, if Jamal Hill started dancing, doing backflips and stuff, you'd be like, "Oh, that's classic." No, see, that's the no, 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 no. Dancing, dancing celebrations itself, and let me let me clarify: dancing celebrations are not classless in themselves because it is okay to be hyped up. The fact that what you just did, right? But his dance was almost as if kind of like I don't know if y'all saw the dance, but he kind of like did a little 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 move and then pointed at at him like "gotcha," and I was kind of like why like it was it was like directed so, at him like i beat you i did that and i'm kind of like dog so take your grace i mean because when, when when israel when israel adesanya beat anderson silva he was nothing but respectful oh yeah that's that's just i feel like that speaks to this israel is is his nature by by when he fights any anyone he fights he from what i've seen from what the, especially in the post fights that i've seen um up until now he has been that kind of person. He's a respectful person. He he does. Of course, he's gonna beat you, and he's gonna be like, "Yeah, I beat this guy." I'm, like, I'm not gonna sit here and shy off from what I did. I beat him. But mm -hmm. he's the type of person that I respect what you did. You came in the ring, you fought me. I mean, like look at look at the fight when it came to uh, Marvin Vittori. For the first the first the first time, Marvin did not want to accept it. He didn't accept the fact that he lost to Izzy. Then they came again and fought. Izzy told him, like, okay, can you can you at least respect that I beat you this time? I mean, like, this is just how it is. And Marvin was like, he just shook his head, no. And Izzy's like, oh my, okay, well, I mean, I can't help you at that point. I mean, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So it's like, the in mm -hmm. moments like those, like, yeah, people, I would like for people to be show respect to the person you fought because 
you can't say, unless it was, yes, if you, I mean, there are fights that are just super easy. Like some people just clean people out and just be, and that's a one and done. But there are fights, like if that person was actually giving their all fighting like that, I would say like, it's it's customary to show respect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, But I also wanted to uh, say, I think there's, and we'll, we can probably circle back to this a little bit later. I have to read this, but um, there were there actually was a, a um, an article written about six or fourteen hours afterwards saying about what what people were talking about his post fight uh, dance because like we were talking about just now, people wrote about it and said like, oh, this is I'm not sure. But I think they're saying like um, maybe it was good or bad. I think this might be divided in the, in the MMA community itself, and people may see it as disrespectful. Some people may see it as um. Uh, just a way of like him celebrating beating somebody of that kind of of a legacy, right? Mm-hmm. But I wanted to shift gears and talk. There was one fight I was not okay with. I I just wasn't okay with this because it actually pissed me off a little bit. What's that woman's name? Is um, it from last night? Here it is. The woman's flyweight. Yes, the women's flyweight. I think it was the women's flyweight. The... You're talking about Andrade and Jessica Andrea. Jessica Andrade. Yes, and then um. Lauren Murphy. Lauren Murphy. That fight actually made me upset because the the problem I have with that fight is that you clearly see Murphy getting her ass handed to her. And I'm, I'm not, and it's just, why as the corner are you, have you not thrown in the towel yet? Like this, you see your fighter, she's getting hurt a lot. She's still standing. Yes, she's still throwing combinations. But me, if I was her cornerman, I cannot sit there for three straight rounds and let you get beat up like that male or female i cannot let that that as a cornerman my mindset is i need to save my fighter because you have to live the fight another day you will get it's, another chance to fight this is warrior spirit you too. won't get that it's, it's just like they could have thought the fight on glover Teixeira when 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 jamal hill was giving him full piece combos just bang 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 bang, bang. you're like yo y'all gotta stop this fight he's getting pieced up but but he kept coming but, back or murphy kept coming she kept standing there and still kept doing head movements. It would have been one thing because when when Izzy lost, when 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 Izzy lost, and Alvarez was like giving him hands, Izzy looked wobbly. He looks like he was dazed. Laura Murphy never looked dazed. She looked like she was just eating blows, and she kept coming. She still looked like she was still upright and moving. So I can see why the referee was just like, "You still look like you want to keep going, so I'm gonna let you keep going." It's different when you're just again like that about to just go out in any moment. But dude, but dude. So that so again, that was one round compared to three rounds of seeing that. That's three rounds of seeing you get knocked around like that. It's a different. It'll be di- if you had told me that in the Alice Pereira fight, right? If if Pereira was knocking out Izzy, like knock him to the ground every single fight, like every fight in each round, he knocked him to the ground, and it kept happening. I would be like, yeah. That's warrior spirit, maybe, but like I would still argue, there's you need to take him out of the fight. Like Izzy's getting hurt right now. This is not even the fact of Izzy like throwing out anything at this point. He's getting hurt. But this Izzy didn't get hurt like that. He got he got messed up in the last round. But this Lauren was getting beat. I mean, her face is turning red. She got hit with too many good combos. Was getting smacked at the right spot. These are spots that knock out and knock people out. Her she face was getting her, her face no was recognizable by the end. Yes, the announcers were like, like, why hasn't the corner thrown the towel? Why hasn't the ref stopped the fight? This girl is definitely getting her ass beat right now. We need, like, at some point, you cro- that's a threshold of, like, 
Because I, I know that they, that's like a lot of people are arguing, like, when is it okay for the ref to stop the fight? Because I know that was a big talk about when, when Izzy was fighting Alex. That was a big talk then. I think a couple other fighters that ha- happened to before. I mean, mm. even when Izzy referenced the, Kev- the Kevin Gaslam fight, when Izzy was beating the legit piss out of Kevin Gaslam, he was mm-hmm. beating that man. He, he went to war with him, but he put that man in, the, he put that man in dire straits. The ref didn't stop it then. And I'm looking at this one too. I'm just like, the ref didn't stop this one either. I'm just like, ref, why didn't you like get in there and stop that fight? Let me ask y'all. Like, let me, let me pose a spirit. I'm gonna pose a question to the group. Uh, I want you to answer here first, Joe. Like, so we, there's been steady criticism about referees not stopping fights en- enough. There's actually entire video compilations on YouTube about refer- about about fighters actually pleading with the referee to stop before he kills a man. But let me ask y'all. Do y'all mm-hmm. think? Do y'all think that? coaches and corners are not doing enough to preserve their own fighters do you think that they also are playing a role in this problem because as you said no one threw in the towel ref didn't stop the fight but see the thing is referees referees operate under certain guidelines yeah they can make judgment they can make judgment calls as they have before but a lot of those judgment calls are weighing on their job coaches have the same thing but see the coaches are much closer with the fighters and they're seeing what's going on they don't they don't like they I mean, yeah, they they may want to respect the wishes of the fighters, but do you think that maybe there's just too much in times just, like, letting them fight? So, I'll start. So, I'm glad you actually asked that question because it actually brought me in. You know, me and you, we we read this manga. We read this manga. I mean, you're farther ahead than I. I haven't read recently. But you remember that. You remember when... um, in this and the, the the anime I'm about to reference is called Hajime no Ippo. Ah, uh, yes. You remember when Ippo was fighting Ichidate for the very first time? You yes. saw Ippo was giving that man work. I mean, this is this, this kid is like what 18, 19 years old, putting down a champion. He's like, this kid hits like a damn truck. He's getting hit. He broke his ribs. He's made the champion back into a corner. He's done everything the right way. He used everything he was taught and made the champion look like a child. But then you start looking at it, you look even closer, it's like, but wait a minute, Ipo's getting beat up. Wait, something's wrong. Ipo's taking too many punches. I don't mean think Ipo's there anymore. He's not there. And you see the corner, his coach is like, if I don't do something, I'm gonna throw this towel in. Mm-hmm. And he saw, he sees the punch that's gonna, that I can end this boy's career. He sees the punch that can put him in the hospital. And he's like, for the love of Christ, I don't care. I'm gonna make sure I preserve him and his career those in the towel mm-hmm. because he knew that punch that corkscrew punch was enough to put him in the hospital because yeah. it's called the heart the heart i think it's the heart stopper the punch or whatever the heartbreaker and like it, it really was because he's aiming for the heart it freezes yeah. you up for a good second and everything he doing that while for one epo's not really conscious of what's going on could be fatal could be dangerous you don't know what could happen he could yeah. wind up being at cardiac arrest and then die on the way to the hospital so it's like him throwing in the towel, that's necessary. And I feel like going back to your question, I feel like coaches and cornermen need to realize and they need to understand like more. But at the same time, you have a responsibility to bring your fighter back home safely, regardless of what they're fighting for, regardless of what their um what they believe, what their ideals are in that moment, that fight, what they're putting on the line for that fight you have a job to do and that's to bring your your fighter home you do not want to have a situation where you're holding your fighter and that and 
your fighter unfortunately passes away in front of you like that. You do not want a situation where you wind up seeing your fighter's career ended shortly because of something in the ring you could have prevented if you had just thrown in the towel. You don't want to have that kind of discussion with yourself. You don't want to be able, you want to be able to look the fighter in the eye and say, I did what I had to do because I wanted you to come back. Because I want, I need you, because your future is more important to me than what you do in this point in time. What about you? You know Jeff? what I'm saying? So yeah. I feel, so like I feel like that is where I sit. I feel like the cornermen do have a responsibility and they need to make sure, like, dude, you gotta look and see if your woman, if your man is fighting out there, please. If they do, if they look like they're in trouble, if they look like things are not going their way, if you think for a minute that their fighter is gone, especially when they come back to you in that corner to sit for a good minute and they're gone, you have a job to do at that point. You need to, you have a judgment call now. Either you let your fighter keep fighting and potentially risk something, risk more than just uh, losing their shot at the title, or you tell them to come on back, it's okay. You did what you could do. Let's, let's go back, regroup and come back again. Cause there's no shame in doing that. I mean, I feel like a Absolutely. lot of fighters feel like it's a lot of shame that comes with it, but. I don't think so. Jeff, I would like you to weigh in on this a little bit. What do you feel about yeah. coach and fighter accountability here? Um, well, as far as referees, you know, stopping the fight, um, I don't necessarily know their true guidelines on what needs to happen before they, you know, call it. Does the fighter have to be literally unresponsive? It's, or is it, um, um, it's kind of a judgment. So, you know, obviously, the 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 golden rule is if they're not fighting back, mm-hmm. stop. Like that's why you'll hear a lot of referees saying you got to fight back, you got to fight back because they need to give them something, a response of either active, conscious defense or an attempt to counter. Like there's got to be something. So if someone gets hit with like a right hook and they're stunned for a second, does the referee stop? No, for no, 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 no. Or punch and then once the guy falls, all right, cut it. Typically, it's like you know there was one fight ended in a straight right knockout guy just fell straight back to the floor yeah uh he goes down to follow up with a hammer fist he missed the hammer fist but the referee stopped was already stopping the fight when he hit the ground it was a knockout Mm -hmm. um when people wobble and they get pursued the referee starts getting really close they start like getting watching to see how they respond and if Mm -hmm. they get hit on the fence and start ground pounding they'll stop they'll stop the fight after like maybe two three hits ideally so it really is kind of just like a they make that they look at that they make the judgment and they think okay how responsive is this person and i mean at that point there's only so much the ref can do and even going to you know coach and fighter accountability you know with combat sports you're basically using your rule set or your move set to outdo your opponent and with that you're going to be taught to finish the fight regardless. So is it a sense of holding back? I mean, if you're going to finish him off with a hammer fist or two after like he falls down at that point, that is a judgment call. But then again, when you're in fight mode and your adrenaline's pumping, you're not going to be thinking, okay, he fell. Let me go ahead and back off. You're going to think I'm going to need to finish this and wait till the referee stops in. So the referee, his adrenaline probably isn't pumping as much as the fighters, so he's going to have a better judgment call in that. So with him stepping in after a hammer fist or two, I kind of agree with that. Just because the dude falls, he may get back up. So I think, you know, watch for that hammer fist and then go ahead and, and stop right, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. So as far as that coach and fighter accountability, 
I think they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, not to like literally kill your opponent, but you know, make sure you finish that job. But what um, about what about those fights? Yeah, what about those fights that is like you know, like what happened last night with Andrade and and uh, Murphy, just like three five minute rounds of a very one sided beatdown. Yeah, they stayed. Yeah, she stayed on her feet, but like I mean, you had to see that fight. She was getting like there was no. Mm-hmm. She was just getting beat around, and like, it, it, it would have been one thing if she got knocked down and like been wobbly on the ground. But yeah, she literally stayed on her feet yeah, while taking getting, these shots. Just she was getting picked apart. She was but getting picked. Point, up. She was getting picked apart. Yeah, and it, at that point, then it, the referee just stopped the fight. It, so like, it, and the thing is, you can find probably find the highlights later and like look at it and like, bro, like if you look at it, she her like like Lucas said, like Lucas said, the announcer said it. Alex even said it last night. We were all saying her face was unrecognizable. She was wow. burning up red. I feel like like every punch that um that she was taking just hurt more and more. And I don't know what it was that was keeping up on her feet, but whatever it was, I get I give her props because she stood on her feet. She stood her ground. She fought. She gave she gave as much as she could give, but she was getting systematically broken down. Like. When you talk about a fighter getting systematically stopped, that is what you, these are one of the things that you see. You're getting, you're dodging all the other persons of punches. You're, you're looking at them, gauging their body, what the response is like, then you're feeding your own self. Okay, so what am I going to do? I'm about to do this, 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 and this. And you start making combinations, start doing it. And she put a, a good combination in, putting those, those, hand, those hands to work. I mean, she didn't even have to work the body. She was just knocking her head loose. And Bro, the let, fact let, that- And her leg, and her leg. She was eating that leg. Oh, yeah. Let me let me like, let me let me add some perspective on this fight. Also, is what my biggest issue is why I'm also calling this fight into like the coach criticism is because that fight. I don't know if y'all noticed, but that fight was over before it really started because the minute that fight started, Murphy was hesitant. She was uneasy. She was moving around. She was constantly moving backwards, never really moving forward. And it was and you could see the psychological warfare plan was like Andrade was like a predator, just constantly marching forward at an even steady pace, unfazed by everything. Even if she got hit, she would just pop right back, chop her leg. You could tell one of those was hurting. The other one wasn't even because like this thing you 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 referenced the, the Date fight in Ipo. That was one of the biggest things. It didn't matter how hard it was getting hit. Murphy might have been throwing some bombs at Andrade, but Andrade just looked at her like, you can't hurt me. And she was chopping yeah. away at her. And, yeah. and like, and the more, it, the more it went on, the more uneasy you could feel. Like she started realizing her weapons aren't working. Her takedowns aren't working, which she prides herself on her takedowns. Her takedowns aren't working. She can't have her ground game. Her strikes aren't hitting. She's getting picked apart. Her defense isn't working. And on the third round, one of her corner men is like, we believe in you. And I'm like, that's beautiful. That's lovely. That's so fine and dandy. Are you not watching the same fight I'm watching? Because I believe it was more she's going to die. I believe in you, I mean, but also I believe you could die today. But with that psychological warfare, it's like you can't ref that. Yeah, you see her backing up and you oh, know, I'm not I'm not faulting working. I'm not oh, necessarily no, no, faulting no, no, the ref no. for this one. I'm actually I'm actually okay. more so calling is, the coaches into play. I'm call I I call the coaches, the coaches. If I was if I was in her corner, coach or not, I would have thrown that towel Top. in at minimum at like at minimum end of second round. Oh yeah, definitely. End of okay. second round, I would have been done because like the way they even said this in the first round. At the end of the first round, they were like, Andrade clearly is just faster. The when 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 Murphy was throwing her fists, it just looked slow. 
and and Andrade was slipping through everything and was coming back with four punch and uh, three punch combos like nothing. And she was just every single time she kept she kept throwing them combos and then she kept coming, backed up and then kept coming like she was literally a shark taking chunks out and just mm-hmm. letting your opponent just bleed out and you kept going and kept coming. Yeah. Round, I think it would be safe to oh, go in and end it because if it's just the first round, you know, I think yeah. that pep talk, you know, is necessary. But, you yeah. know, just because something happens one time doesn't mean that it's going to happen again. Yeah. Right. So there are plenty that. of fights where you get your ass whooped in the first round, but then you come back and win in the second or third round. Yeah. So you need yeah. that second round to really determine if this is a correlation of, okay, this is like you, she's not in the game. And I think, I think. It. I think coach accountability is also especially important because like the referees don't know these fighters personally, but they these coaches, not. they work with these fighters right. for months, years on end. Day like in, they out. know, they know the ins and outs of their fighters. And like, they know, like they, you know, the gas tank, you know, the yeah. you know how they, you know, probably what's their weakest points. And if that yeah. gets exposed out there, like this is like, which can happen. And you should, we've seen it. We've all seen it multiple times of this. Where I mean, this is get exposed. And these things happen. Like, I mean, even the for, psychological warfare here was real. Even for me, like, and whether it was karate or my martial arts, like Taekwondo club, when I'm going to match in a tournament, like my coaches, my instructors, they, they work with all a whole class of people. They work with all of us. And even then, when it, whichever one is in my corner with me, they know exactly what I'm good at. They know exactly what I'm weak at. And they help me emphasize those points. They know what I'm good. They know what I'm capable of. So these coaches, they do this for a job, for a living. That's their livelihood. That's their livelihood. You mean tell me that you don't know when it's time to call it quits? Like, again, that's dangerous. Again, that, that's, again, I speak to that same point because that's where I was like, I, that's why I was more so, and does it clarify my stance on this? I'm more so upset with the cornerman more so than the ref. The ref, again, he's in there. He's in the moment. He's trying to make sure he can see what's going on and see what's happening. Yes, the ref probably saw, like Alex was pointing out a second a moment moments ago, she's, she's still there. She's still throwing out combos. She's still landing some shots as well. She's still showing that. She's giving off the, oh, she's still here phase. What, meanwhile, your coach, your cornerman, those are the ones that should have been like, something's wrong mm-hmm. something's getting at her where she, I, I believe that she can do it you believe she can do it but that she believes she can do it like if she doesn't believe that she can do it there's no way she's going to get make this make that make out of this fight she could seriously get hurt in fact and it's, it's another instance in um hajime no, in hajime no ipo but getting punch drunk like people there there are fighters that are getting so afraid that like just the just the littlest punch made someone flinch i forgot what fighter it happened to um <clears throat> I forgot what episode it was, but it was an episode where um, Kamaga- Kamagawa noticed a fighter get real scared. I feel it was, small, um, like someone just moved their fu- It was Kamagawa's, or it was, I remember there was Kamagawa's origin story. Punch Drunk is, by the way, for um, oh, anyone yeah. who doesn't understand, Punch Drunk is a, is a, is like a slang, it's like a kind of a slang term for like the medical condition in which like, you think of it like, you know, you get hit so many, you get so many head contusions and like head traumas that mm-hmm. you sometimes go into kind of like a semi-catatonic state it was just like it looks like you're drunk and it's often caused by like way too many blows to the head in which like signals get disrupted it, it, it's like in, in the episode it was like in the middle of his fight he was dogging his opponent and all of a sudden he just like lost his coordination lost his mobility lost his balance like he was just that's all tied to Ivasa looked with zero gun exactly yeah it's like it's like it's like that it's that stumble it's that stumbling phase but it just kind of is not it's sometimes just not even prompted it just activates and then 
another instance in the show, in the one who does it the best, who does it the best, like one of one of the one of the best fights in in Hajime no Ippo. When Ippo fought, uh, what's that? What's that boy's name? It was one of his greatest fights when he was featherweight champion. I forgot his Sendo? name. Sendo. Sendo's impression. That was one of Sendo's most incredible tools. When he puts that imprint on you, that, that that fighter imprint on you, it's it's the you are too afraid to do anything. Yeah, like that was what I was seeing in that fight. Bro. Because they like, called him. Fear they called the Sendo the Naniwa Tiger, and it, what he would do is he would put you in a state where you would like you would feel like you're in a cage. You're trapped in a cage a with a tiger. Animal. Like that was it was like well, they would make the visual like that. It's like why do I feel like I'm trapped with an animal? And like there was just like this cage would form around them, and he would be faced with a tiger. And I was like, oh, that's boss as hell. It was, that's why like when I saw that, it was just mm-hmm. it was amazing because it was a, it was, a, it was an amazing description. The way he fights, the tenacity, the aggression, just the pure tactical aggression. That was his best tool because yeah. he even when he's faced up against the worst of opponents, even in the manga, he's faced up against someone who's better than him. He got the way he gets mad. He doesn't get mad. And starts foiling, uh, th- th- starts throwing out ridiculous um, punches. He gets mad and just buck, like sends ten toes down to what he learned and just starts wailing in on his opponent. And after that, give it like five minutes. Yeah, they're afraid. They're, 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 the imprint's been marked. He's bit down on the opponent. It's over. He's made them afraid. And that's what happened in this fight with um, with uh, Laura Murphy. She got. A, she. I feel like there was some fear in there. Like you guys were saying, like she was very hesitant, very like, I'm not really sure. That's where I think the fear was put in her, which is why it messed her up. And she couldn't connect the way she wanted to. Her rhythm was completely off from round one. She wasn't able to land any good, solid blows that made um that made Andrea uh, back off. It just it just wasn't everything wasn't working. Everything that could have went wrong in that fight went yeah. wrong and so i feel like this is where the coach the corner when you get in front of your court your, your 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 fighter and you're sitting sitting them down talking to them this is where you got to get them the hard truth like you're losing right now i need to know what's going on like you, what's, what's happening telling them you believe in them that's great but you got to give the reality like look something's happening right now what's going on trying to get something out of them so you can give them something else because right now your fighter is in is I, me, I feel the danger zone. And that danger zone can get really, that can get blurred if you're just trying, if you're the type of person that you want your fighter to be great, great, great so yeah. much that you ignore all the signs of your fighter could get hurt right now. And you, know, you not knowing those signs is a potential problem. Funny enough, this is like ref, like specifically referee accountability on fighters and everything. Like this is just one of the many examples of like, you know, the, the revolving UFC politics, which is actually something, another thing that I wanted to touch on with you guys at some point. So it's funny. We're talking about it. Like, you know, even like the great, even one of like the, the most prominent referees, Herb Dean, Herb Dean, he got in some real trouble. I don't know. Like he got in some, like he was actually being criticized for not stopping fights um, yep. quick enough. And he actually, I remember, cause the first time I noticed that was I stopped seeing Herb Dean in some main events and I started seeing some undercards and I was like, what the hell is Herb Dean doing on some undercards? That's weird. <laughs> so, but I mean, we've, I, I've, I've, I've brought this subject to you guys a little bit, especially with the news of the, um, the John Jones return, not fighting Francis Ngannou. I gotta say, like UFC politics are baffling. It's like, ridiculous. All right, just like for a little refresher here, um, 
the big thing that I wanted to touch on because I wanted y'all's takes on the on the business side of this is Francis Ngannou was decided to fight John Jones in March, right? His whole thing, he recovered from his surgery and everything. Um, not even talking about who's gonna win, but apparently, like this it was the weird, it was the weirdest reveal ever. Like, you know, they're talking about this fight happening in March, and all of a sudden a billboard goes up on a stadium saying Cyril Gan versus John Jones. And then yeah, later they revealed the details of why. And it was because a contract dispute. Francis Ngannou wanted one thing, the UFC offered another, and he declined. And in how he's a free agent, which doesn't exactly make him free. It just kind of puts him in a tough spot. So I remember, so another another thing that also happened that with that reveal, because that, and funny enough, the billboard signs were not supposed to go up up until they announced it. They were not actually supposed to. It yeah, was dropped that ball. It was, I think it was a T-Mobile issue because Dana White was saying that T-Mobile dropped a ball in this league. When it, when it went up on their when it went up on their stadium, that's when people were like, what the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. yo. And sorry, excuse my language and everything. But they yeah, were just like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> appreciate you but like people are just like yo wait what's going on like this this is not okay you can't be what what happened i thought we were setting up for francis and Ganu, john jones super fight this is going to be amazing next thing you know Sarah gone hmm? mm-hmm. but one of my biggest problems with that whole the whole debacle was the way dana white was talking about it because dana white made it was changing the narrative to say that surreal that um Francis Ngannou was scared of John Jones. He wanted to take easy fights and everything. He wanted to take lesser fights and whatnot. And I'm just like, you have worked with this man for how long? And you about to go on TV and say that? Ridiculous? Like, wait, what? What are you talking about right now? And Ngannou like, even, like, even turned around and turned that back on him. He said, no, that's not true. He said, you offered me three fight contract. And of those three fights, I said, John Jones, John Jones, and Steve Mayochik. He said, and, yeah, I want him twice. He 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 even went back. He even said he had been asking for the fight with John Jones prior to this day. He had been asking for that fight long before that. He wanted this fight. The question. All, all oh, I was just gonna say all that. All Francis is gonna want, and all Francis wanted pretty much was just something for the UFC to do in terms of looking at fighters in general for certain sponsorships. Like, mm-hmm. can just UFC fighters sponsor themselves? Can um they go out and promote this in other divisions? Because he he even saw he took a look at himself. He said, like, "I'm champion. I can go make more money in. I can make a lot of money because I'm champion. I'm gonna get that pay for being champion, winning my fights and everything, and even the extra pay for if it's fight of the night and everything." But those who are not champion, those of us who those of them those of the people who don't get a chance to fight for the title shot, they don't make as much as I do. So he wanted the UFC to look at the fighters that they have currently who are not champion, allow them to go somewhere else while still in contract with the UFC and fight for a different promotion just to make some more money for themselves. It wasn't to say you're going to lose your business, but he just wanted them to look at in terms of fighter pay and everything. He was looking out for the fighters, which I really like when fighters look beyond the business. What makes it unfortunate, though, is that at the end of the day, Fighters will always fight for fighters' rights and, and fighters' equality. But unfortunately, at the end of the day, when it comes to and and, and this could be this could be taught from from the early eras of like 70s and 80s boxing of the idea of like a prize fighter. At the end of the day, it seems like Dana White didn't value Nganu 
as a prize fighter. And he quit. He was so quick when he found out that John Jones was available, was so quick to say, I'm going to put the newest young face heavyweight fighter against a legendary heavyweight fighter. No, 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 no. no. I'm going to make this. Oh, so, you're, you're, no, you're, you're a little bit off here because you're making it seem like, you know, Dana White was loving this. Dana, I can guarantee Dana White is hating this right now. His heavyweight division is in chaotic shambles. And I don't mean like it's done for done, but like people aren't paying enough attention to heavyweights. Like Nganu is like the face is a face of the heavyweight division. We've, we've just that, named over five heavyweights though in, in, yeah, no, in this see, conversation alone. Exactly. But the thing is, like people like people aren't like even then people are still talking about what about Nganu, what about Nganu? The fact that John Jones is a heavyweight now and the fact that Dana White was desperate enough to bring him back says a lot about the state that he is in, in my opinion, anyway. Because here's the thing. <laughs> John Jones versus Ngannou, that is a money fight. That is money. That is literally, I would title that the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. The unstoppable force being the John Jones on his on his undefeated winning streaks legacy and Ngannou being the immovable object and the fact that who is going to move this mountain of a man? Zero Gone couldn't. Zero Gone couldn't. No, Derek Lewis couldn't. Nobody could do it. See, that's, they see that was a money fight, but Ngannou did the one thing that Dana White hates. Dana White hates being like he, he hates for someone to threaten his money. He hates when people try to threaten his business. And he the fact like he I don't think he really wanted Ngannou to leave. He just wanted Ngannou on his contract. And when he did leave, he's trying to salvage the situation. Because what does That's it say? Like- what does it say when one of your prize fighters, like you put it, when it's say when you're one of your prize fighters just leaves, drops eight million dollars on one fight to be a free agent. I feel like that is the issue with Dana White in the fact that he wants to control what his fighters are doing because if he knows that it can make him money, he's not gonna let his fighters do what they want. And that has always, I feel like that's been a thing. It's a, it's a running theme, a reoccurring theme in the UFC. Like, I feel like a lot of, I, I think, what was it? Um, Demetrius Johnson even came out and said that when he was supposed to fight, there was a fight that he was supposed to have with TJ Dillashaw. He was supposed to fight him. He was, he was going to fight that man. But he looked at it from the money perspective and they were going to pay him less. And he said, no, I'm not fighting for this. Either you make this fight happen for more money or I'm not fighting him. And he said, no. And then when they did, it showed him more. It showed him a bit more money, but it wasn't what he offered. What he what he wanted. He said, "No, I'm not fighting him now." There's no wait way a minute. Look, wait a minute, Lucas. So wait, you're telling me that like Dana White overlooked? I'm looking at the top ten, just top ten alone. I and, and UFC shows top fifteen, but even the top ten. So Sirogan couldn't have made a prize heavyweight fight bout against um, Stipe Miocic or or Sergey uh, Pavlich. Those two alone are already their their top three. Curtis Blaze, I don't know enough about Curtis Blaze. So I don't know if that would have been a prized heavyweight, you know, story. Ty Tuivasa, he, he's proven that he needs to work more. Derek Lewis needs to get more wins under his belt before before going for a titles fight. Yeah, and Jarzino Rosenstrike needs to get more wins before he goes back for a title fight. All right. So what's so, your question? I'll, I'll so, none of, so none of these other fighters, he, he, he couldn't have put it zero gone against Sergey pa- uh, Pavlich. Well, okay. Not really. Well, um, it's, it's all about a name is name recognition. Oh, branding. 
Yeah, like, usually these heavyweights have been fighting and everything, but think about how much excitement when John Jones's name went up. People have been wanting John Jones to come back for ages. This is the dream. This is the dream for the golden era, like UFC fans. Like this is what people have been wanting forever. And the fact that, and I, and the reason he's putting specifically Cyril Gan against him is also because Cyril Gan went up against Francis Ngannou last time. He was like the he was the interim heavyweight champion. He's like he's the one that like is currently representing the heavyweight division with what what's the, what's with what's there. And my thing is this, right? So again, like so when it comes to those kind of fights, like you're asking Alex, like why he couldn't have done it, like again, it's like we were just saying, it's like those, you have to have like bring excitement. Curtis Blaze recognized, there was one time they were asking why Cur- Curtis Blaze even responded to them when he saw Surogan versus John Jones, because he wanted to fight John Jones. He even told people back in um, December, like, if you have me fight John Jones, if, if Nganu can't do it, I'll do it. I mean, I know I'm not the most exciting fighter. I know that I'm, I'm, the, I'm not, um, I, I, I draw a big crowd and everything, but I mean, I'll fight the man if it, if it comes down to it. And he was ready. People knew he was ready. Like he was, he said, as soon as we get off this break, Jan, come January, I'm training. Like he said this right around Christmas break, right? Mm-hmm. Right after the, um, uh, what was it? Uh, Cannoneer versus Strickland fight. He said that right after, like, yeah, I'm, as soon as this break is over, I'm working in January to fight that man probably in March or April. And he was, I, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure he's been doing that. But he recognized that he himself doesn't draw in a lot of crowds. He knows that he's not the most outspoken or the most like money hungry type of fight. He wants championship. I mean, if he's not a championship, I don't think he cares to, to exactly. fight anybody like that. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking because the, that's what he's after. He's after a championship. He's not after recognition from the crowd. He wants the belt. The belt is what he needs. It, and it's like, well, it's like other fighters have said, like, if you're not after the belt, I don't know what you're fighting for. You're fighting for money. Sure, you're fighting for all that. You can do that in a different promotion. But this right here, I'm, I came here to get a belt around my waist. Like, that's what I came for. I didn't come in front of all this other stuff. Yeah. But people recognize that Curtis Blaze is a dangerous man in the heavyweight division. They recognize he's dangerous. He's him being ranked fourth speaks to that already. So because yeah, the thing is Dana it was White. gonna because John Jones had three I was just gonna say John Jones had like three three fights that he could have he could have had Sorogan, Stephen Miocic or Curtis Blaze. They were gonna give him Curtis was on that talk of who he was gonna fight with. Yeah. But so yeah. it was like it could have been any of those three. Yeah but we all but know I who feel like wanted it made, to fight. John oh yeah, I know it makes wanted. he wanted Ngannou. But I have a question for Alex because I, I have a question specifically for Alex and Jeff because I asked you two this question and Alex, you wanted to save it for this episode and Jeff didn't answer. Chooks, I'll give you a chance to answer as well, but I'm waiting for Good. for y'all to. So the question here to lay it out exactly what the contract was disputed for: the UFC offered Ngannou a contract, three fights of his choice, and eight million dollars for the John Jones fight alone, $8 million fight. And I don't know like what the win or loss uh, bonuses are or whatever. That was just $8 million on the, on the paper. And Ganu wanted three things. He wanted, he wanted three things, but he even admitted that he expected one and maybe uh, two, maybe only one of the things to be achieved. He wanted the UFC to provide health insurance for all its fighters, a health, a health coverage plan. He wanted, <clears throat> Um, he wanted a fighter advocate in the UFC, which he also revealed details later on, meaning that he wanted someone to sit in on the UFC business, the board meetings and everything to represent fighter interests specifically. 
And the last thing he wanted was he wanted in cage sponsorships. He wanted the UFC to allow sponsorships, like individual sponsorships for fighters to help them with money, recognition, revenue, everything. Are you he talking wanted, about the logos that are on the mat of the UFC cage? Yeah, yeah those, those are sponsors of the UFC itself. He wanted fighter sponsorships. He wanted like... He wanted like he wanted him to have its own monster logo on his shirt or something. Like because because I think about like monster, yeah, monster is a is a sponsor is a sponsor of the UFC. That's why you see monster energy drinks. That's why you see the monster logos. Modelo is another sponsor, but he wanted the chance for fighters to get their own sponsorships because that helps them with their own capital. But Mm -hmm. the UFC declined all three, and and Ganu rather than taking the money. He decided to just walk away and become a free agent. Now, my question to both of you is one, what are your thoughts on the on what his decision? And two, do you feel like he made the right decision? Alex or Jeff, one of y'all can go first, but I want to hear y'all's take on this. You have to be very conscious to walk away from eight million dollars off of one fight. Eight million dollars to show up and then whatever bonuses are tacked on afterwards you really have to say i'm him to say that i'm willing to walk away from a if anybody offers me eight million dollars to get into a boxing ring with deontay wilder i will show up and then i will go to the hospital afterwards you will die but (laughs) i will be eight million dollars richer because all, all, all he needs is one shot I, I, i'm gonna tell him i was like yo all you need is one shot all you need is one good shot i'm gonna give some effort but just one shot eight million dollars you have to really be uh, Alex, very you Alex, have to your, your, your effort is not going to be enough your effort is like one percent of, of i will survive a you punch. will die I will survive. That man is, the, Don't that, tell me what I can and can't do. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. I believe. I believe. I believe just I can take one punch. Just, just think about Jesus. Just think about how much damage he'll do in that one punch. Like how much of that eight million dollars is going to go into your hospital bills, my guy? All of it. Oh, no, no, no. No. <laughs> out of the eight million dollars, one uh, approximately one million dollars will go to the we hospital. Can, we can fix him. We have the technology. He becomes the eight million dollar man. Literally, right now, we're gonna fix whatever piece we find of him, his head gonna explode after one punch. I will take punch, a broken, boom. I will take a rib shot from Deontay Walter for $8 million. My you, ribs can be healed. No, not if they're not if they're made of powder. Hey, 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 first of all, oh, y'all, y'all, ain't just, to, y'all ain't gonna just, tell me that my body can't absorb. <laughs> I could do something, damn it. Do you, do you remember the fight that um uh Takamura had with uh who was it? it was one fight Takamura he punched somebody and then someone said I thought it was a I thought like I had a hole in my stomach. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no, nah, nah, even better, oh, even better, nice. even better. Kamagawa was two rib punches on the uh, on the American soldier. That's what he's gonna do to you. He's gonna shatter your ribs in one punch. Anyways, moving on. Moving on, moving on, moving on. We're not subscribed to this bullying here. We're a non-bullying organization. All right, continue Uh, with your point, Alex. You have to be very bold and very conscious and strategic when you are walking away from $8 million. Mm -hmm. So when you're telling me that you are valuing, for one, he's showing that he values fighters' health and fighters' rights. And as far as like just how many fights and whatever, and with, with one of them being John Jones, which is fine. But it's really about he's trying to prove a point where you are losing the integrity of the USCD. The integrity and the morality is now being tainted because you weren't willing to accommodate fighters 
for their own well-beings. And it's just like, yo, like, like, like gladiators were given food and at that time women and gold and frankincense and myrrh for and being women. a prize and, and women and, and women. for being a prize oh shut up Lucas women. for being a child for, for being a prize fighter you you were beheading people for the glory of being in the Colosseum and they gave you everything you wanted but and now women. it's like shut up but for now in the UFC in modern era it's the the rules still apply. Francis and Ganu, the 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 man among boys, all he asks for is for some compensation and benefits to preserve the longevity of fighters. Because uh, I'm assuming a lot of the way that fighters pay for stuff is out of pocket, is out of the fights that they're tacking on and they're winning. A lot of these fighters the have their own jobs, right? Stipe, like, even Stepe Miocic is a firefighter. See, like. So you're telling me you can't even make a decent living off of just fighting alone. Being a regular 15th ranked fighter, there's still not enough for you to pay your bills and pay your insurances, but you're putting your life on the line. Unless you're a legend like John Jones or um, Francis Aganu or Kamar Usman, for that matter, who has all these endorsements beyond just fighting now. And so it's like, you're telling me you have to now be the top to get everything you want. That to me is saying that you you don't care as much as fighters, as much as you say you do, or pretend to paint the picture like you do, because you don't. Because you the fact that you're saying no to that, to me, that's like Dana White sent the message that like we don't care enough. And so my friends Ghana was like, since y'all don't care, I will walk away. And I think for him, and Ganu's conscience is clear. Because like I said, you have to be bold enough to say, I'm willing to walk away from millions of dollars because I'm trying to prove a point that the integrity of this of this industry is fading. And so you feel second, like you did the right thing? I think so. And I think that if more people catch wind of it, I think that more people are going to leave and the USC is going to unfortunately just, just crumble Maybe. if it's not crumbling already. What about you, Jeff? Uh, so I've actually was looking up... Um, how much like UFC fighters make as far as endorsements and sponsorships and stuff like that. Um, and this article was came out in July of 2022. So it says that as of, you know, 2021, there's three tiers of payouts for the UFC fighters. So if they're like just entering the UFC, they get between 10,000 and 30,000 per fight. Once they hit the middle tier, it can get from 80 grand to 250 K and then the highest tier is 500,000 to 3 million per fight. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you have, you know, win bonuses, but this doesn't include like champions or anything like that, but the bonuses is pretty much the same payout um if you win. So let's say if you get paid like 45 grand to like be in the fight, if you win, you get an additional 45 grand, so you end up getting a total of 90 grand by the end of the night. That's a man's yearly salary. You can have, you can achieve a year's salary off of one fight and win one fight. And, and that's so you not know. just from sponsorships as well. And that's not even just from that's just from fighting alone. Deal with Venom in 2021. Yep. And fighters who have one to three fights can win four thousand dollars, and fighters who are champions can receive up to forty two thousand dollars per fight from the endorsement deal. Yeah, that's so just one. That's just see, one company. So and then think about that, what Nganu was yeah. getting. That, that, think about what Nganu was winning. All of that, the championship fight 
and it's Francis Ngannou, which means that he's getting on average at least. Let, let's ju- ju- Ngannou ju- made ju- Ngannou made five hundred thousand dollars when he defended his title against Cyril Gunn. Yeah, five hundred. And, a half and, a and mil Tyron, just Tyron, from winning. Yeah, but yeah. Tyron Woodley made two million for getting knocked out by Jake Paul. The math ain't mathing. Something's off. <laughs> Again, the math ain't mathing. Jake Paul knows how to make money. That's the one does. thing that he knows how to do. He knows how to get the bread off of a fight. No, he no no he no he's got he's got the capital that he made on as a YouTube star and he's got and the fact yeah. that the boxing and the boxing commission will pay these superstar like pay per view fights but you tell me the UFC and Dana White doesn't have the money to boost that as it is right now I, they're already bigger yeah. than boxing you mean to tell me they don't have the money to fu- nah they just don't want to they just don't want to pay the freaking fighters bro it's greed so it, just, it's it greed. just makes sense like look at it look at it you just like you just said the numbers. You get uh, Jake Paul's out here getting paid millions. Meanwhile, the fighters are getting literally like half a mil. And you're telling me that this man does not know what he like Dana White does not know what he's doing. Dana knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's just not paying the fighters the money that they deserve. Because you mean to tell me if your fighter is at, is simply saying, "I'll do this," I just want you to just make it more beneficial for other fighters after me. I don't care right now. I know I will fight this man. Just make it better for everyone else. After well, hold on. How That's much all you is do. Jake Paul like doing per fight? I feel like I Jake haven't Paul, looked at the Jake Paul's, Jake Paul's fight payouts go into the millions, even if you lose. Whereas when it comes to the highest tier, you can possibly Anderson Silva made at least a million dollars getting losing to Jake Paul. Yeah, and he was a re- and he's a retired UFC legend. And one thing I want to say real quick is, um, as of twenty twenty one, the average UFC salary was one hundred and sixty grand. Mm-hmm. But think about how much medical insurance are going to strip off of that one. because even like we said, you said the, uh, the the initial fight, you can make forty five grand, and if you win off of one fight, wait, we mean initial fight, like when you first go into UFC. Yes, yeah, like, no, like, like UFC a- when you first get in is only ten grand to thirty grand. Yeah, you're, no, ten your grand. De- your, your debut, your debut era is a debut is, is fight. You show up for ten grand. You win. You get twenty grand. Mm-hmm. But imagine you win by unanimous decision, and now you got a brain con- a concussion, exactly. and now you have to spend that twenty grand that you just won on the hospital, mm-hmm. your trainers, and all your recovery. Equipment. See, this is the recovery. Thing. So you didn't also- even make. You're still negative. Is that that tier system is also heavily dependent on one your your success and your win rate and also your appeal? Because Alex, you brought it up. You wanted to make the example of gladiators. Well, let me add one thing about gladiators: is the best gladiators weren't the ones that were just the best killers. They were also the ones that made the best show, the best performance, the ones that got the crowds wild. That's the same thing with fighters these days. Fighters, UFC fighters, boxers, whatever. These people, like. Think about how long it took for some people to get to the top versus others. Like, I mean, we got people like um, people who had to claw their way up to the top and like for to play the long game, like Leon Edwards, to get to where he is. But you also got people like John Jones, who became the youngest UFC fighter because people loved him. People loved watching him. It's a style bender. Same thing. Adesanya loved him. People started people started loving Kamaru Usman when he started striking more. Because they feed on the crowd's excitement. That's why people pour money to them. That's why Dana White picks them as their favorites. He loves them. You know why Dana, you know why Dana White loved Ronda Rousey so much? Because she made people pay 50 to 60 dollars for a minute and 17 average fight. 
She was she was his biggest con. She was his biggest con woman. People were paying people were paying sixty dollars to watch her win a fight that was going to be posted on Facebook the next morning. Yeah, off of an on bar average pay per view rate was sixty five dollars. Yep, it's seventy now. Wow. Raise the price now. She, she, the, it's it is seventy nine so, now. I think. So even if you get past the debut era, there's no guarantee that you're going to get into that middle tier anytime soon, because what if you start losing? You stay in that tier. You lose one fight. It's a critical fight. You're back down. All it takes is one bad day. So what Nganu was really wanting was he wanted, he wanted not just health insurance, he wanted an insurance policy, an insurance policy that protected fighters, no yep. matter what kind of like, no matter what they were doing. Because Dana White's all about this. Oh, you got to earn this big money. I'm like, how? You're not giving yeah. really, you know, did Lauren Murphy, did Lauren Murphy earn this. all of those damages? Let me say this real quick. Uh, she yeah. earned a one-way trip to the hospital. I can tell hold you on, that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. So let me say this real quick in the sense that in 2021 they took the average household income right <clears throat> and came up that it's around 25k and it said that 19% of the UFC roster made less than that which is 116 fighters to be precise yep look at that cuz think about and where a lot of fighters are based household income in the United oh. States and a lot of these and a lot of these fighters are based in places with very high living costs high income Yes, California, California, yeah. New York. Unless things. you're unless you're a prize fighter. I mean, Ryan, Ryan Garcia is one of the youngest up and coming like new hot boxers, but he also lives in L.A. But well, also really he's very popular fighter because the lowest paid UFC champion, which is I don't know how you pronounce that. Ali Jermaine Sterling. Ali Jermaine Sterling. Yeah. He yeah. got Fun paid two hundred and thirty K in twenty twenty one and he was a UFC champion. Yep. Meanwhile, Kar- Kamaru Usman made two million. It's see, is is Sterling still? Although there's he's levels, a champion, he's not. He's not. He's not a prize. There's exactly. levels to there's levels to these the game, and there's levels to those levels. That's the issue. And see, and that's without uh, pay per view bonuses. Yeah. And see, here's my here's my here's my big issue here is I've asked you guys a question, but let me say, I. On a moral standpoint, I think what Ghana did was very admirable, but I'm not sure if he made the right decision. Only because in this game, in this world, the only thing that talks absolutely is money. Money always talks. People, money gets you in the door. Money gets people to listen oh. to you. Money gets everything you need. So this man, as I say, you got to be bold to walk so, away from so eight million. Here's what. Here say this. So, um, and is this speaks back to like what uh, Luke said? You were saying that you don't feel like it was his, his best decision. So there was actually one person actually that came out and said to Nganu, he respects what Nganu did. Like he respects what Nganu did. However, mm-hmm. he feels like the place where he did it may not have been the place. And let me let me say more about that, right? What I mean by the place, he feels like that's more for a fighter union discussion versus it being with the discussion for the, the man who runs the UFC currently, who's over the UFC. He feels as if Nganu should have went before a fighter union rep to see if he can get him to push push back on the uh, on um, Dana White and all the other execs or whatever to see if he could get more money. That Maybe that way he would have done it. That so way basically he could have, have all, some backup before you go to Dana. Pretty much. That's what he was saying. And But I'm thinking like maybe, I think, yeah, maybe so he would have done that. But I do not dispute the fact that Nganu did exactly what he needed to do. He stood up and said, like, right. look, you own this company. You own all of this. 
We are the ones who work for you. If we're asking you, if I'm me, a champion who works for you, I'm asking that you do something for the people behind me, the people who want this belt. They should that they help them get more money, help them get some insurance, help them do this. Like it should not be this hard. It should not be this much bureaucracy around it. Enough. Health insurance, like that shouldn't that that's that should be a basic thing for people who are putting their their bodies on the line. You you're talking about people who are highly skilled, highly highly capable of hurting some regular ass individual walking around the street. Like if they, like let's say if a woman was walking around bumped into Ronda Rousey and talked some shit to her, you think she's not going to knock that 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 the piss out of her? No, please. What? Take it no, out of I'm UFC. Sure I bet you how much how much are firefighters getting covered if they get burned? Mm, that's an excellent. Like, question. like, like, come on now. Like, these, I'm sure like, firefighters are getting well taken care of if they're in a fight. If they're here, in so, this is, here's, and, here's, and this is why I think like this should be like you you you, you got to be. You, I like the fact that he did that because it brings again showing light to the the situation that even though I'm a champion. You can still get turned away by the person you're working for. It, it, it shows that. Yeah, they don't but his, care. his 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 uh his the path that he's taking also heavily relies on other people doing the same he's doing, stepping up for what's right and willing to make those sacrifices. But a lot of fighters aren't in the position to make those sacrifices. And honestly, I'm not even sure a lot of fighters have the character to do that. Because I mean, think of people like McGregor. McGregor has made so much money in the UFC, and yet. I don't think he's really done. Like, what does he use that money for? Has he used that money to advocate for other fighters? No, he doesn't care about other fighters. He cares about himself because he said in his eyes, he earned everything he got. He made everything he got. He became yeah, Dana White's cat. He became Dana White's cash cow and he doesn't care. So speaking but, on Conor McGregor in 2021, he was the highest paid UFC fighter that wasn't a champion earning yep. $10 million that year. Yep. He and then was his fight with Mayweather. I just want to say this mm -hmm. in 2017, that money fight, that fight earned him an extraordinary hundred million dollars. Let me ask you a question really quickly. Was he under? I'm pretty sure he was when he went back in 2017. He was still fighting with the UFC when he fought. Maybe. So then that is also bullshit on the UFC's fault because they even say and they highlighted in multiple interviews with people who have said you cannot fight under a different promotion. Why in the hell do it was you an allow? Ex uh, see, he wasn't under a different promotion. He did an exhibition. They, they, they double down on it every time when the fighter wants to go out and fight in the U fight outside the UFC. They've always doubled down on that, saying that they cannot do it. Well, see, you allow see. Conor McGregor to do it again. When Francis Ngannou asks for it, you get you told him no. That's the loophole. That's the loophole right there. Ngannou yes. wasn't. Ngannou, right there. see, see the, the thing is, what, first of all, McGregor has privilege. Second of all, McGregor yeah. does not did not did not sign on for a boxing contract. He didn't sign on for like for like show, for like Showtime or Days in. No, he or Jazone. Sorry, he did an exhibition match with Floyd Mayweather to you know. You know, make some make some money. It was an exhibition match. It's not an official on any of like um boxing federation. It is not official in any capacity. It is an exhibition match. It is essentially like a glorified sparring match. Mm -hmm. And I think they found plenty of loopholes to get him because also he was he was still under like UFC contract, but he was he yes. was in a, but during that time he wasn't fighting as actively. But it didn't matter though. That was what they were saying because every time that they had been, because I, again, I think again, they, what they did with Ngannou, they referenced the fact that he was under contract. He was still with the UFC, even if he wasn't fighting. They referenced he was still with the UFC, and that he it had to be like ninety days or whatever after they say quote unquote may have released him to allow him to go fight somewhere else because 
he still technically is still with the UFC if that's the case. However, they have always pinpointed saying he's under contract, he's with the UFC, he can't do it. And I, I remember correctly, the fight that he had, that he wanted to have with, um, I think it was Tyson Fury, he literally said it was just a boxing match. It's not me going to a different promotion. I just want to fight this man. Even Tyson Fury even challenged Francis Ngannou. And you, Dana White knows for a fact, Tyson Fury is a money fight. That's a mo- that, that, that's going to make me money. You could have figured out some way to talk to them and figure out how you can get a cut in on this. But no, what did he do? He doubled down on the fact and made sure Francis didn't go anywhere. Meanwhile, he allowed everyone who even who talked about it was like, also oh, bringing up reference. They said, but Conor McGregor did it. He, he went out and fought, fought an exhibition match against Mayweather and won some goddamn money. So Dana White, Dana White is he's good at some things but i don't think he's like i don't think he has the capacity to think that that big of a picture i don't think he has the capacity to like foresee the future because i don't think he actually he i'm willing to bet that he didn't really understand the danger of letting mcgregor do that because you know mcgregor mcgregor is the is he's the he's the favorite child he's the he's the he's the young he's the young sibling that the parents like get away with anything they want he let him do that because he's like whatever he's gonna make money regardless He's my cash cow. I love him. He's my favorite child. But he probably sat there and probably thought boxing is a dying sport. No one's going to really care about it. It's going to be kind of fun. This is like the biggest thing for boxing history ever. And then he realized that, you know, oh, these fighters are actually thinking for themselves. They're actually thinking about getting more money. And that puts my business in jeopardy because if these guys are going to start getting paid more doing other stuff. They're going to leave. So that's why he started doubling down on these other fighters, regardless of what he let McGregor do, because he didn't think that everyone else was going to jump on that track. He thought maybe, you know, it was going to be a fun little spectacle. Uh, And I agree with you. I just feel, I just think that because I I mean, looked it up. I think I didn't really read the articles. I just, I just wanted to see if there was some like mixed opinions about it. And I did see it. Like, if you look at some of the Google searches, you just type in Conor McGregor versus uh, Floyd Mayweather. Like you said, he didn't foresee these being a problem. People were showing, were talking about the risk of, of Conor McGregor going to fight Mayweather. Like the risk of what will happen with his UFC contract, the risk of just the UFC letting him fight in this um, boxing match. Like I just saw like the different clickbaits and I was just like, yeah, this, so clearly just from the title alone, there was some issue. There were some different, definite issues with Conor McGregor doing it, but it still happened nonetheless. You even said it yourself, Lucas. There is some privilege with ha- with Conor McGregor doing what he can, he can just get away with certain things. And he mm-hmm. what? And even Jeff, you even pointed out he wasn't even a champion back in 2021, and he still was getting paid like Buco De Niro. Like, what does that say to you? That tells me personally. You can you can afford to pay your pay your fighters that kind of money. You can afford to give your fighters more money. You're just opting out not to do it. Why? Possibly because of the name and what they bring in. And if that's the case, be upfront. Tell your fighters like you got to do some more stuff to make me want to pay you. If that's the case, then let it happen. But if you're not telling them how to earn more money and you're just giving it to whoever you feel they need to, I feel like you're cherry picking at that point and you need to be upfront with it. So that way your fighters know that you don't really care too much about what they personally want want you just wonder if, you, if it can bring them money if they can't bring them money you're not going to pay them that money just be real also in jeff you mentioned like this happened like that the mcgregor uh, mayweather fight happened in 2017 mm-hmm. and i just remembered my timeline uh it makes a lot more sense also to add to the fact that there's another thing is not you know even if 
uh, let's let's account for the fact that Dana White didn't want McGregor to do it. He <laughs> didn't have as much of a leg to stand on as he did with any other fighter, including Aganu, because remember, 2016, McGregor beat Eddie Alvarez and became the first UFC double champion, first one to ever hold two UFC titles in one at once. So this man was the hottest UFC commodity at that time. So 2017, he was cruising. He was living. He was the one of the biggest names in the fighting sport. That's why, like the the name of the fight was it was gonna happen because it on the on the on the chance that the Dana White put him on an ultimatum. Do you really think McGregor was gonna just say, "Okay, boss, you're right. Sorry, sorry, Dad. No, please, please, no. Sorry, Dad. Please. In 2016, See, and he closed out the year with 40 million. Exactly. See, and that brings to what I was saying about Ngannou is you when you speak from a position of power and advantage, money. Talks. There's nothing else you can do here. And that's why I think like, again, $8 million is not, you know, it's not chump change, but it's also not the, the end all, like be like the end all solution. Nah, it's not McGregor money. But here is what I think. I think that with that $8 million and that three fight contract, I think what he could have done was one could have played. I think he could have started playing the long game. There's disadvantages to this, and I'll get to that in a moment, but he could have played the long game. He takes that $8 million. Let's say he wins, honestly. Not only does he get $8 million plus his bonuses, he also cements his legacy as being the first dude to ever beat John Jones. Cements himself as the heavyweight UFC GOAT. So, but even if he doesn't win, fine. He takes that $8 million. He takes whatever money he earns in the next two fights. He builds a platform. He builds his name as a brand. He does it with Kamar Usman did. He does what Stylebender does. He did. He tries to do what McGregor did. He builds capital. He builds mm-hmm. money. He 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 creates a product. He gets like sponsored, whatever, and he creates that. And then he gets such a self sufficient like like base of capital that mm-hmm. he just retires from the fight game and he decides to do exactly what he wanted someone else to do becomes an advocate for the ufc fighters he creates Mm -hmm. a pseudo fighter union he does he invests in that process the downside is that people will always try to criticize him and pull him down for saying oh you sold out for money but in my opinion if you're willing if you're willing to you know stomach that and take that heat and actually do good then you have Mm -hmm. the biggest middle finger to the world because like hey where were you guys you guys are criticizing me you guys you guys weren't even standing up I think that he I'm very concerned about what he has and what he doesn't have right now. Mm-hmm. And if no one doesn't, if no one else stands up with him, it's gonna be a lot for, like all for nothing, it seems. I mean, but, right currently right now, it, it's it's looking like the second part is happening because um there are people who agree with him, but they're not standing up to uh Dana White and those executives. Mm-hmm. Um it's just right now Nganu on his own, pretty much. As you can, as we all can see, like Nganu's just the one who's voicing it. He's saying, like, "Look, this is what I'm wanting. This is the fact. I've, I've been doing this. I've been asking for it for some time now. I was just really hoping that the UFC would like honestly consider these things and actually look at it in terms of like, you know, this is for fighter longevity. This is for like, you know, getting showing that the promotion actually cares about the fighters. He wanted to make something change, something positive on the impact of the UFC. That which would have been part of his own legacy as well as in someone who not only does he fight for uh, fight for himself in the ring, but he fights for other people outside the ring as well. That yep. cements his legacy as one of the one of the and, one of the goats, and you and, can't out money. You can't out money Uncle Dana, but you can put the people against him because he's not exactly a favorite right now. No, especially not, especially with the fact that I was just put hands on his wife. I mean, yes, and that I feel like for that 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 whole situation. But I, I, me personally, 
I, I agree. You don't put your hands on a woman. However, however, I also saw, and I do see, I saw both of them. They were both drinking, both drinking. And you all, every, I don't know why people like to look at this like it's not a problem. I say, oh, it's an excuse. No, it's a biological, biologically proven that if you drink alcohol, your judgment is definitely impaired. You, I don't care what pseudonym, what, um, what philosophical BS you want to give me. If you take some alcohol, if I give you 90% alcohol and you drink that shit and I ask you to solve a problem, you're going to sit there and look stupid because you're not going to be able to do it because your judgment is impaired. You're not, everything is impaired when you have alcohol in your system. Yeah, and so it does call the question the problem of his relationship in general. I mean, the problem of his relationship, that's between him and his wife. I'm just saying, like, look, you guys have alcohol in your system and that's what ended up happening. I'm, there should be no, I'm honestly not surprised that that happened. Him, like she slapped him and him slapping her back because again you no know, i feel like if he was in his right mind his conscious mind with no alcohol in his system he probably wouldn't have slapped her back bro. he probably would have like just grabbed her and like just ushered her out of the room because you just did that and somebody probably filmed it and everything right one can only one can only hope that he is that kind of character one but, can only hope but but you know character is character is kind of like the big overarching theme that what we've been talking about today we started this about the, the grand example of character Glover Teixeira and honestly I hope that in Francis Ngannou's um, quest for fighter rights I hope that other people will show the same kind of character in class that Glover Teixeira did in his retirement mm -hmm. and stand up for that but also can we um just take a second to also like highlight a new a new world hall of famer uh Jose Aldo like, Jose like, Aldo. like please man like that man that man did. He has, earned, he has earned his place. He 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 came into the sport doing an amazing job. I I, I didn't I didn't watch Jose, Jose Aldo for a, for for a very long time. In fact, I didn't really know who he wasn't until like last year. Because like when I got into got more into UFC and everything, and just seeing his career, just seeing just the highlights of his career, he has done a phenomenal job. He the way he interacts with people, the way he he's been talked about by other people that know him personally and just one of my favorite things when I, when I saw the um the highlights him running into the crowd yeah and man just people. a hero wow it was, it, was, it was really good that he truly the man people's champion man jose aldo glover teixeira shogun hua it was a night of recognition yes. for legends and you know mm -hmm. there's one that i will never forget i actually got my roommates to watch like some of the like their first actual ufc event and i was one hell of an event to get them to watch mm. but um i have, some, I have a quick quite a few um i want to know did you guys want to like just i know like we want i feel i get the feeling we want to wrap up and everything i i want to um want to know did y'all want to like just give like some speculation on the uh if conor mcgregor's gonna if conor mcgregor's truly gonna come back to the ufc um you're just anyone's takes on the John Jones versus Cyril Gan fight, how that's going to play out. Uh, just maybe all thoughts on that and everything. And then, you know. Okay. Uh, I got very quick answers for that. Uh, John Jones takes Cyril Gan. I'm betting on a third round knockout or TKO. Okay. Um, McGregor will likely come back to the UFC um, for one reason or another. Uh, who he's gonna fight or where he's gonna fight is up in the, up in the air. If he stays out of trouble, um, <laughs> he's in a very interesting position right now. But yeah, Sirogan does not have the tools to beat John Jones. And to actually, funny enough, I'm going to quote a tweet 
that I actually sent out to some of y'all just to kind of say where I stand on this matter is, (laughs) and I quote, all I'm saying is the fact that John Jones is betting un- is a betting underdog against a guy that got out grappled by Francis Ngannou with two blown knees tells me you guys may have forgotten who John Jones is. I have not forgotten who John Jones is. He is him. <laughs> so, uh, Alex, Jeff, weigh in on your predictions. John Jones wins in the third round, oh. and that. Um, you know, is next. Mm-hmm. And that um, Conor McGregor, when he does come back, I think that I think that even if he does come back the next fight, he depending on who he wins, I, I kind of don't see him winning unless he really just has a hard reality with himself that he needs to dedicate himself to one weight class and yeah. actually like dedicate it back towards his original ways of why he won in the first place, which is with his hands. And he's really got to learn that like yo sometimes you just gotta stick to what you're good at so um so yeah so my my thought is that uh yeah john jones versus Surigon, john jones is gonna win in the third round and that um i don't really have that's how i don't have hope for um conor mcgregor but if he does he he really needs to get real with himself and you mr hughes mr jeff jeff uh same thing john jones third round um mm-hmm. damn Eat shit. Definitely, um, I think Connor's gonna definitely return, and you know Dana's gonna milk the absolute hell out of it. Oh yeah, definitely. No way he's done. Um, especially trying to get back in people's good graces after this Nganu incident. So, <laughs> good luck with that one. Yeah, gotta figure it out. But um, uh, but yeah, everybody, everybody put in there. Everybody put their wages in. So I would say. Damn, I want. I want. So again, like I'm, and go ahead. Give me I'm gonna do what I did last night. Give me the scorching hot take, Shooks. Go ahead, expose I, yourself to the world. Expose yourself. <laughs> expose yourself. You just try. You just. You, you just try to be different, yeah. right? Just go ahead. No, say it. Look, go look, ahead. Look, say it. I'm, I'm gonna do what I did last night. I'm gonna do what I did last night. I want. I would mm. like Surreal Gone to win, but I don't think he can win only because like. Like I'm not speaking to John Jones as a person. Uh, John Jones as a person is a whole different subject entirely. But him as a fighter, John Jones has a, too many tools in the arsenal. I feel like they may be rusty, but the one thing that's gonna give that's that edges him out for the win completely is John Jones's fighter IQ. It's it's just it's one of the best. It's one of he's the smart. He's best. seen it all. Like he is always calculating in the ring. He's not sitting there waiting, wasting his time doing moves that he's never done before or he's seen before. He's just doing what he knows that he can do and he's being smart about it. Um, and I do think, yeah, I agree with y'all though. The third round might be, will be the big factor because I feel like Surreal Gun's going to mess around and start throwing bombs and it's going to miss and they're going to cost him to win. But I do feel like because Surreal Gun is still like, he's eager, he's fresh, he still wants to keep fighting. I feel like he can give John Jones a run for his money if he doubles down on his grappling, doubles down on his fighting technique and striking and gets to make sure the fundamentals are polished so that way he doesn't get scraped up <laughs> in the first or second round, right? Um, but as far as the Conor McGregor thing, I feel, of course, I believe Conor will come back, but I think 
a lot of people have been saying this. Connor's era has gone, has come and gone. It's yep. time for something new and fresh. I really believe if he just wherever he decides to go, if he goes to the welterweight, he gonna be in for a rude awakening because them them boys hit like trucks. Them boys do not come to play. I don't think he's gonna be out here looking if for fights. If they put Conor McGregor against Kamaru Usman, Kamaru will clean his going to wipe the floor with Conor McGregor. Kamaru will clean him he's up. going to make quick work of that man. But I mean, hey, we still got till March till the fight comes. So with that, I think it's safe that we bring this to a close. Indeed, it's been a great yes, discussion yes, yes, yes. about all things about just the politics of 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 just fighting and MMA in general. Are some are some famous fighters reviewing some of these fight cards and pre- our predictions for the fight cards that are coming ahead? It's so fitting, you, celebrating thirty years of the UFC. Thirty exactly. years, man. They, they've done a lot in yeah. thirty years, and the, uh, props to all those who've come in the game and come out. Like they've done a lot for the game. They have really like put the UFC. Jose, on the map. Jose Aldo got inducted, and he got his announcement yesterday. That was I was really happy for him. Oh, I mean, um, shout out. I forgot this man's name. I think it's Stefan Bonner. One of the, it, like, I know he passed. I think, I think it's, it's, that's the correct name. I'm not sure. But he, like, people, when people say his name, they say he's the, his fight that he had against, I forgot what fight he had with somebody. He brought, he helped usher in the UFC and he passed away. I think he passed away last year. Um, yeah, he passed away last year. And I just, like, just shout out to him. And mm-hmm. I, I hope that his family is doing well. I hope that all the families of those of UFC fighters that have passed away are doing well amidst the uh, 30th anniversary of the UFC. And um, rest in peace to Victoria Lee, the prodigy. Rest, way man. too young. Oh my God. Way too young to be to be that, going out man. like that, man. That, and that, whatever man. whatever the cause of, I, I hope. And this is why we advocate the, for our fighters. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll hope yes. the family is 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 healing and, and trying to find some measure of peace with this. But definitely. you know, no, no nobody that at that age should be dying. You know, so definitely rest in peace, her, and you know, our thoughts and prayers with her family as well. But this is a great conversation, guys, and we're gonna bring this to a close. So we want to thank Indeed. everybody for tuning in to another installment of Foursquare Presents After Hours. We thank our guest Chooks for chiming in, throwing his two, three, four cents into the mix of just everything that we got going on within the fighting community. And you know, as, as you know, as always, you know, it's your boy Alex along with my compadres Lucas and Jeff. Yes, and we'd like to thank y'all. Make sure y'all like, share, subscribe sure. to our YouTube channel, to all of our other platforms, and stay tuned, man. We got plenty more things coming out for y'all this year. So until next time, we'll holler at y'all. Stay tuned. Peace. Peace. Peace.